welcome to Decoding the Customer, a podcast about customer experience and how to realize customer-centric change in today's dynamic business world. I'm Julia Allfelt, certified customer experience professional, business advisor, and host of this program. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're a returning listener, thanks, and it's great to have you back. This episode is part of my CX mini masterclass series here on Decoding the Customer. These weekly episodes are published each Thursday and designed to be punchy, bite-sized overviews of key customer experience concepts and ideas for how you can help your organization thrive through customer centricity. Whether you're new to the field of customer experience, are preparing for the CCXP exam, or are a seasoned professional looking to brush up on a few basics, this series will help you improve your knowledge, skills, and performance to stand out as a CX professional. This is episode 70. The first episode of February. Regular listeners will know that the first episode of the month is usually an interview episode, and I do have one coming later in the month. But for February, I've just switched the order around a little bit, and I'm starting with a CX Mini Masterclass. Today, I'm going to explore the topic of rituals in the workplace and the role that these play in influencing organizational accountability and CX culture. Rituals are sort of an invisible force within a workplace. We often don't think about them, but they play a crucial role in reinforcing beliefs, expectations, and behavioral norms, which are as important to a professional team dynamic as they are to a family or another community dynamic. I've only seen the topic of rituals pop up a few times in the context of customer experience, so it's not something that's a buzzword yet. But I believe it's something that we as customer experience professionals should be cognizant of so that we can play a proactive role in shaping how rituals support, and hopefully don't detract from, the organization's customer experience objectives. As we'll discuss in a minute, rituals come from the culture, and they also reinforce the culture. So if your organization's rituals are driving things in the wrong direction, it's something you might want to change. If you've been looking to delve deeper into an emerging topic for customer experience, culture, and organizational accountability, and are keen to hear what the researchers say about it, then this episode is for you. As always, if you're out and about while listening to this and hear something that you'd like to remember later, don't worry about writing it down. You can find an overview of the key concepts that we've covered today in the show notes for this episode, which are on my website, julia-alfeld.com or decodingthecustomer.com. My interest in the topic of rituals started when a client asked me about best practices on the role of rituals in shaping customer-centric culture. Intuitively, I knew that rituals were repetitive, ongoing actions that reinforced norms, sort of like Jeff Bezos' famous gesture of leaving an empty chair in meeting rooms to symbolize the presence of the customer as an important but silent stakeholder in business conversations. Over the years, I'd heard some CX thought leaders refer to rituals, but it wasn't a headline topic in the customer experience world. This sent me on a journey to research and dive into a bit of academic research to more completely understand rituals and their role in customer experience management. And today, as well as some ideas for how customer experience professionals can leverage rituals to support their customer experience management objectives. First, let's start with the definition of rituals. Ritual action, it is proposed, is a form of social action in which a group's values and identity are publicly demonstrated or enacted in a stylized manner within the context of a specific occasion or event. 
Examples of this might include a dinner for employees, a welcoming speech for a new hire, or a manager's weekly team huddle. This definition is straight from one of the most useful business management academic papers that I found on this topic. I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes so you can reference this definition and see where it came from. It's important to note that many scholars use the words rite and ritual interchangeably. In practice, I find that most people refer to specific types or examples of ritual action as rites, and the term rituals is used more as a broad, generic descriptor of rites. Speaking of types of rites or categories, this is where I think things get really interesting because we have different types of rites for different types of things, and it's important to understand the distinction between these. We have rites of passage, which are some of the most common in organizations. Rites of passage help socialize participants to be an accepted member within a broader community. Rites of passage would include things like new hire onboarding. We also have rites of enhancement, which are public celebration of commendable behavior intended to showcase model behavior and recognize individuals. An example of this might be a CEO shout out in a monthly team newsletter. Rites of renewal are another type of rite. These are a stabilizing function within an organization. These rituals rejuvenate and reinforce values over time. A manager's weekly huddle is a great example of a rite of renewal. Rites of conflict resolution are just what they sound like. How an organization deals with disputes between stakeholders within the community. Rites of integration are another type of rite. These work to establish an emotional unity or community bond. An example of this might be an annual team building offsite or something less formal like a greeting ritual or how team members vent their frustrations at the water cooler. Finally, we have rites of degradation, which happen when an organization is going through a major change or possibly shutting down. These are much less common, but worth mentioning as they may be a consideration during change management. These rights often reflect on what went wrong and reaffirm the bonds between members of the community as they move forward. Side note here, I worked at Washington Mutual Bank during the 2008 U.S. financial crisis, and when WAMU was acquired by J.P. Morgan, it catalyzed a time that was filled with rights of degradation. As team members reflected on what happened, leaders gave talks reassuring team members about the future— and everybody made plans for what they were going to do next. Considering rituals in the workplace, it's clear that we can think of a ritual as something that comes from the culture and also reinforces the culture. So if your organization has rituals that reflect and reinforce customer centricity, these will help align the organization towards customer experience goals. For example, if the new hire onboarding rite of passage incorporates a special event bonds a new team member with the community and emphasizes the shared objective of customer centricity, it will reinforce customer centricity and help all new employees connect their new responsibilities to the customer mandate. If, on the other hand, for example, the CEO's speech at the end of your function, which is a right of renewal, always praises sales and efficiency achievements with no mention of customer experience objectives, it would reinforce the belief that these things are more important than customer centricity. In episode 66, I explored why the foundations of HR strategy need to be aligned to support customer experience. 
And we can look at rituals in much the same way. As customer experience practitioners, it's important that we're aware of and vigilant about how the elements of employee engagement, including rituals, influence culture. Otherwise, we could find ourselves permanently fighting an uphill battle. So how do we change or influence rituals? For rituals to stick, they need to be organic, not manufactured or contrived. The empty chair ritual works for Amazon, but it doesn't mean it will resonate with every organization out there. Take stock of the big company-wide rituals that are already in play. What rights have been established and what do they reinforce? As CX professionals, we need to encourage the correct rituals and maybe position ourselves to gently redirect the others. For that CEO speech at the end of your function, perhaps he or she isn't even aware that they're skipping over customer experience. So see if you can get your CEO to realign their message. I'd also suggest that you share insight on what you've learned about rituals with the broader executive team. Help get them thinking about how these things influence company-wise objectives, including customer centricity. Now, not all rituals happen at a company-wide level, and influencing team or department-level rituals is a slightly trickier proposition. To do this, I'd suggest helping managers or department leaders become aware of the impact of rituals, much as I suggested you do with executives. You might also find ways to stay abreast of new rituals when they pop up so that you can encourage sharing information about the ones that work, while gently redirecting any rituals that appear to do more harm than good. If you have a customer experience council or a cross-functional CX meeting, that could be a good opportunity to talk about new rituals and highlight success stories. I've also seen a global organization that's geographically dispersed take videos of rituals that started at a team level so that they could be shared with the global organization. Look for the green shoots and share news about best practices. Maybe they'll catch on elsewhere. Perhaps there's even an opportunity to make a little competition of it. Rituals are an exciting, emerging topic in the field of customer experience. So if you've already been working on rituals in your organization, I'd love to hear about it. And if you're looking for help evolving your organization's customer experience culture through rituals or otherwise, please get in touch. I'd be happy to explore how I can help. You can reach me via email, tweet, or LinkedIn message. My handle is at Julia Allfelt, and my full contact details are also listed on my website, julia-allfelt.com or decodingthecustomer.com. I hope that you're enjoying the show. Please share with others who might be interested or head on over to iTunes and rate the podcast. I'll be back next week with another episode. See you then.